Well, a man went to his doctor and told him that he wasn't able to do all the things that he used to be able to do around the house anymore. He said, Doctor, there must be something wrong with me. Can you check me over and, and let me know what it is? So the doctor gave him a thorough examination. And when he finished, the man said, Now, Doc, I can take it. I can handle it. Whatever it is that's wrong with me, just let me know. Let me have it. Tell me in plain English, what is it that's wrong with me? The doctor looked at him and said, Well, in plain English, you're just lazy. The man said, okay, okay, thank you. Well, can you please give me the medical term so I can go home and tell my wife? (laughs) Jerry was recovering in hospital after a surgery, and the nurse came and checked on him and and said, how are you doing, Jerry? How are you feeling? How are you coping? And he said, oh, he said, "I'm, I'm doing good, thanks. I'm doing fine. Yep, things seem to be healing up. And he said, but I really didn't care for that four-letter word that the doctor used during the surgery. The nurse was a bit taken back, and she said, Oh, what four-letter word did he use? Oops. (laughs) I don't mind going to the doctor. In fact, I've been blessed with some good doctors uh, over the years. But, However, I really don't like the waiting room. You know that place that you go and sit in when you await your appointment with the doctor? They're just funny places. I don't know. And no offense to any doctors that might be in the church today, but they sure like to make you wait. I mean, I'm a good person. I like to turn up early for things, make sure I'm on time, and I always get there on time, but I never seem to go into my appointment on time. They like to make you wait. They're strange places. Most of us don't really like them. It can be an anxious wait for a diagnosis to work out what it is that's ailing us. It can be uncomfortable. We can get impatient as we wait. We wait for our turn to go and see the doc. Well, last year, my wife and I had our fair share of waiting rooms. In January, we found out that she had an aggressive form of breast cancer. And that began a journey that would include more than 50 waiting room experiences last year alone as she went throughout her surgeries and treatments. You see, when you're in a doctor's waiting room, there are certain things you shouldn't do, like try to treat other patients. Like go and ask the receptionist for a stethoscope and a syringe and some medicine and and try and treat yourself. It's not a good idea to ask someone else, what are you here for? What medicine have they given you? Perhaps it might work on me. No, you see, when we're in a waiting room, there's just one thing that we're meant to do. Wait. Just wait. But let's face it. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait in traffic. You don't get much traffic here, do you? Maybe? No. We don't like to wait for our food. We don't like to wait for our uh, for for for, you know uh, celebrations and birthdays. And if you anything like got my children, they just can't wait for their birthdays and can't wait, can't wait. We're always inventing things to to speed things up because we don't like to wait. 
And one of the things I've discovered in life and certainly in my own walk with God is I often don't like to wait on God. I want things to happen now. I want it yesterday. I don't like to wait. But yet over and over in Scripture, when it speaks about our relationship with God, it talks about our walk, our journey of faith. Over 40 times, it talks about waiting. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 37.7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We get impatient and frustrated when we have to wait. God, I want the miracle now. God, I want the healing now. I want the provision now. I want you to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing now. We don't like waiting. Not only did Karen and I, my wife, find ourselves in many doctors' waiting rooms last year, but we also found ourselves in that other very uncomfortable place, God's waiting room. That's the title of my message today, God's waiting room. It's that place where you really don't know what's going on. You sense the presence of the Lord with you. You sense God might be doing something or want to speak to you or show you something, but you don't really know. You pray, you worship, you ask, you question, but you're in that funny place of waiting where you're not hearing much coming back. It feels like God is not listening. It feels like God is not wanting to speak to you in that moment, and, and you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. You wish He would do something. You wish that someone would knock on your door and say, Thus saith the Lord. You wish you'd be going for a walk in the morning and a plane goes flying by and a flag's being pulled behind it that says, God, Chris, tells you to do. But nothing happens. You're sitting there waiting and waiting and you're coming, Come on, God, what is it? What is it? It's a hard place. It's not nice. It can be painful. It can be lonely. We can feel abandoned. We can be questioning why, why, why. However, when we're in God's waiting room, one of the things we fail to understand is that while we're waiting, God is working. In John chapter 5, verse 17, we read this simple word, My Father is always at work. I love that song, Waymaker. And there's that beautiful piece in there, and it, I don't know, is it the bridge, Tom? I don't know what you call it, where it says, you know, even when I can't see him, he's working. Even when I can't feel him, he's working. Even when I don't know, he's, he's working. He's always working. So this morning, I want to share with you three simple things that my wife and I, and, and I myself especially, discovered on our journey that maybe might help you when you find yourself sitting in God's waiting room. The first thing we discovered was the need for hope. See, hope is a word that we throw around in, in general terms quite often. You know, we'll say, I, I hope it doesn't rain today. I, I hope we can buy that house. I, I hope I don't get sick. I hope the All Blacks win. Or if you're like me and a bit silly... I hope the Warriors win. And they didn't again last night, unfortunately. 
But we throw this word hope around all the time in, in conversation and, and in our dreams and desires. I hope, I hope. But this word generally is used in reference to something that we would either want to do or not do or something we want to see happen or not happen or something we want to be, uh, be given or not given. You see, hope, hope simply defined as a positive attitude toward the future. And when we're in God's waiting room, when there is uncertainty going on in our world, we need a positive attitude towards our future. You see, all human beings are hopers. It is essential to our survival. It, it's essential to us as the air that we breathe. One expert who, who studied uh, hope said, since his early years as a physician, I learned that taking away hope is to most people like pronouncing a death sentence. Their already hard-pressed will to live can become paralyzed and they may, may give up and die. We were incredibly blessed to discover that my wife's surgeon was a Christian. This helped us. And part of our journey when we were thrown into this position that we never thought we would be in and to suddenly discover that the man that was going to be operating on my wife was a Christian. And, and we just said, well, thank you, Lord. That's awesome. We could really see God's hand and what was happening. But when we told him that we were Christians, you know, he said something incredible to us. He said, I could tell because of the hope in your eyes. He said, and he went on to tell us, he says, you're already more than halfway towards your recovery and we haven't even started yet because of the hope that you carry. He went on to say how he sees so many patients who have no hope and they are often the ones that struggle the most to deal with what's going on in their life. You see, true hope is hard to come by for some because it's only found in God. It's not surprising that the God who created us, the God that, that filled us and gave us a desire for hope, would then ultimately be the one to, to fulfill that hope in our lives. The Bible refers to God as the God of hope. You see, true hope saves, but false hope destroys. King Solomon, the writer of the book of Proverbs, recognized the importance of hope. In Proverbs 13, 12, a well-known scripture, it says, When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. You see, if you take away hope from someone, well, then their world is reduced to something between depression and despair. There's a story of a school system in a large city that had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the city's hospitals. Well, one day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call and asked to visit a particular child who'd been in hospital. She took the child's name and room number and, and then talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. Well, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class right now, the teacher said, and I'd be really grateful if you could help him with this so that he doesn't fall too far behind the rest of the class. Well, the hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy was in hospital because he was suffering from serious burns. And he was in great pain. 
Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent by your school to help you learn nouns and adverbs. Well, she spent time with the boy, and when she left, she really didn't think that she had accomplished much at all with this young man. Well, she turned up faithfully the next day to to continue, and as she came into the ward, a nurse approached her and said, What did you do to that boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong, so she began to apologize. No, 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 said the nurse. You don't understand. We've been worried about that little boy ever since he was admitted to hospital. But since your visit yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's starting to respond to treatment. It's as though he's decided he wants to live. Well, two weeks later, when the boy had recovered and was out of hospital, he explained that everything had complete, that he had actually completely given up hope until that teacher arrived. You see, everything changed when he came to a simple realization, and he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs to a dying boy. Friends, we cannot endure and persevere through life without hope. The question for, me, for you today and for myself today is, what are you putting your hope in? You see, God so loved us that He sent His only Son into this world to save us, not condemn us. As with that little boy who realized that they would not send someone to, to help a dying boy, God did not send uh, wipe us out of His eternal plan. He sent His Son to save you. He sent His Son to give you hope, to give you a future and a hope. Through the trials of life, those moments when you find yourself in God's waiting room, remember that God is our living hope. Through the trials of life, those moments when you find yourself in in God's waiting room, remember that our situations may not change, but our hope can Because real hope is not about changing what's going on around us. It's about changing what's going on inside of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing we learned in God's waiting room is that we need to have faith. You see, faith gives substance to our hope. Hebrews 11, that great hope chapter, uh, faith chapter in the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We may hope for something, we may desire for something, but we need faith to believe that that hope can come about. You see, faith releases the resources of heaven to see breakthrough in our life. When we believe, God can flow. And in times of doubt, uncertainty, we can either be ruled by fear or by faith. Faith requires worship. You see, it takes 
great faith to worship God in the midst of a waiting season. When things are not going so good in your world, when tragedy is knocking on your door, it takes great faith to turn up to church on Sunday, to, to watch a, a service recorded or online and, and go, despite what's happening right now for me, God, I'm going to put this time aside and I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you with all the strength that I can muster right now. I'm going to worship you. It takes great faith to be able to do that. Deciding each day while you wait, deciding each day while you wonder what the future holds for you to put God first and worship takes faith. You see, our first priority is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul. And in times of need, uncertainty and waiting, we need to stir that faith up in our lives. You see, worship is not just about singing. Worship is about putting God first in every area of our life. When you're waiting, you worship differently. You hang off every word, every promise, every scripture, every proclamation that, that, that we sing, we see on the words. When you are waiting, when you are hoping, you hang on to things differently. You see, we found worship music gave us strength each day as we journey with my wife's cancer. Worship gave us the strength to get up every morning. Worship gave us the strength to face the procedures she would have to face that day. You see, we would fill our home with worship. We would fill our car with worship. When she went in for her surgeries, we would fill the, the room with worship when, when we were waiting. In fact, when we went in for her first surgery, we had music playing in, the, in, her, in her room on the ward and just before she went into to surgery. And the nurses would be coming in and they're giving you all the pre-meds and all the bits and pieces that they do. And they would come into our room and they'd go, wow, it's different in here. And I'd say, oh, sorry, do you need me to turn the music down? They'd say, no, 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 it's, it's so beautiful coming into this room. There is a peace in here. You see, when there's uncertainty, worship can change that atmosphere of fear into an atmosphere of faith. Faith also requires us to walk. Faith requires us to get up when we don't feel like getting up. Faith requires us to put one foot in front of the other when we really just don't feel like it. You see, a walk talks about a friendship. A walk talks about a journey. And when we're in a relationship with God, we need to walk with Him. In those times of waiting, in those times of uncertainty, it's important that we keep our faith alive, our, our walk with God alive. But it's really important that we don't run ahead because we keep going, God, you're too slow, keep up. And it's really important we don't lag behind when God is asking us to take a big step of faith. We need to walk alongside Jesus in those times of uncertainty, in those times that we are waiting. You see, it's really hard to develop a friendship with someone that we're not talking with. And in those times of uncertainty, when you find yourself in God's waiting room, keep talking to Him. Keep praying. Keep reading the Bible. Keep seeking out His will for your life. Talk with other people. Be filled with faith. It requires a walk. Keep in step with God. Walk with Him every day.
And the other thing faith requires is it requires work. It requires an action. James 2.26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Friends, when we're waiting, when we're unsure about what's happening in our world right now, faith requires us to take an action. Don't just sit back. Don't find yourself in a pity party. Woe is me. What's happening to me? Oh, I just can't be bothered anymore. What's the point? No, despite what's going on in your world, keep walking, keep talking, and keep acting. Keep working. Keep outworking your faith. Encourage others. Pray for others. Help other people. Do something about the faith that's stirring up in your life. Things might not be going so well in your world, but friends, God has not changed. His plan for you has not changed. So keep moving, keep doing, keep being about God's business. Don't get stuck in your own pity party, in your own world. Sure, sometimes we do need to rest. Sometimes we do need to take time out as we recover through an illness or whatever might be happening in our world, a grief or but don't camp there. Don't stay there. Let faith stir up within you. Start serving again. Start believing that God can still use you despite what is happening in your world. Keep a positive attitude and keep busy while you wait. In the midst of uncertainty, by faith we can worship God, by faith we can walk with God, and by faith we can continue to work for God. And the final thing this morning that we learned that really helped us through our time of waiting was we need love. Sounds real simple, and it is really. But you know what? It can be really easy when we're in a place of waiting, when we're in a time of uncertainty. It can be real easy to get resentful. It can be real easy to get angry at other people. It can be real easy to, to just get upset at everything that's going on and, and start to, 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 to hate what's happening, to start hate what you see happening in other people, to even start hating God for what's happening to you right now. We can feel disillusioned. We can feel alone in that waiting space. And I want to tell you this morning that it is healthy to express those frustrations. It's healthy to express those to God and to trusted people. I thank God for the people that came around me as, as I wondered what was going on and why God was doing what was, you know, why this was happening to us. It's like, God, what are you doing to my wife? Why are you doing this? I remember sitting in, a, in a, an appointment we had with an oncologist and they were telling us all about the, chemo, uh, the chemotherapy and, and what they were going to be pumping into her body and what it was going to do. I was sitting there holding back the tears as they were telling us all the side effects and all the things that could go wrong. And I was sitting there and in my heart I was going, God, I'll, let me do this for her. Let me take it for her. I didn't want my wife to have to go through this, but I knew that I knew deep down that she was going to have to go through this pain to get better. So it was 
It was good to have people alongside me that I could, I could cry with, I could laugh with, I could, I could truly be myself with, and I could express those feelings of resentment, express those feelings of anger that I had towards God and, and just towards life through that, that season that we went through because you just don't expect that sort of thing to happen. But friends, it's important that we don't lose that love that God has given us. You see, no one is immune from pain. No one is immune from suffering. And just because we love the Lord, just because we call ourselves Christians, just because Jesus died on the cross for us, He never promised us a life that wouldn't have pain or suffering in it. But friends, because of what He did for us on the cross, because He calls us, because He fills us with His hope and His love, We can walk through those times in our life where it's painful, where it's hard, where there is suffering because we have a God who knows and a God who understands. When you're in that place of waiting, love on other people, love on one another. We had some good friends that that helped support us while we were journeying last year. And they they did something amazing, so simple and amazing for us though. They paid for a cleaner for us every week just to come into our home and clean our house for us. Crazy thing was, they were also journeying themselves through a pretty rough time. But yet, the love of God in them and their love for us and their willingness just to to be an expression of love, even though they were going through a hard time, they wanted to express their love for us in the way that they did. See, love is an action word. If we really love someone, then we will show it. In your time of uncertainty, of waiting, love on others. Laugh with them, rejoice with them, cry with them. Don't get resentful or bitter towards them. Don't get resentful and bitter towards God. It's okay to have those moments of frustration. It's okay to have those moments of questioning. Don't stop there. Don't camp there. Move on. Rejoice with others when their miracle comes, even if yours hasn't. Be thankful to the Lord when you see a breakthrough in someone else's world, even when your breakthrough hasn't come. Rejoice with those who who good things are happening to, even when good things aren't happening to you. Let the love of God Show through you, through your actions, through who you are. Love on them. 1 John 3, we read an interesting small passage of Scripture here, and it talks about love. And it says, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions and our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident before we stand before God. Friends, don't be like Cain. 
Cain resented his brother because he could see the blessing of God on his life. Let's not be like that. You see, love is at the real heart of Christianity. Christianity is about the heart. It's about relationship. So even when you're in that time of uncertainty and that that place of waiting, can I encourage you, love on one another. There's a sign in God's waiting room that reads this. Be still and know that I am God. You can be still because He is active. You can rest because He is busy. To wait, biblically speaking, is not to assume the worst. It's not to worry. It's not to make demands or take control or get disillusioned. Waiting is not inactivity. It's not doing nothing. But waiting is a sustained effort to stay focused on God through prayer, through faith, and through relationship. To wait is to be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Why don't you close your eyes this morning as we just pray together. Thank you, Lord. Friends, God is the great physician. When you're in His waiting room, He knows what ails you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your world better than you do. And He has the right prescription to fix it. When you're waiting, remember this. There are no obstacles with God. Nothing is too big He can't handle. There are no delays with God. He is neither early or late. He is right on time. And there are no accidents with God. He is never caught by surprise.